Mavis Collins, 1943. Mavis was born in North Middlesex Hospital, Edmonton. She was 10 years younger than her sister Iris. The family spent the war years in London. They had made an attempt to be evacuated to Lincolnshire, but it was a struggle for her parents, as Mavis's mum was blind and her dad and her dad also had very little sight and was deaf. They returned during the worst spell of bombings and stayed under the stairs or under the table. Mavis remembers how, as a little girl, living at first in Lordship Lane, Tottenham, and then at Tainton Terrace, how she used to sit on a stool under her mum's sock knitting machine and listen to the radio. Her dad kept chickens, rabbits and ducks in their small back garden. She also recalled her earliest memory of taking her da- a dolly for a walk on VE Day in 1945 and they had to send a search party out to look for her. Mavis began her education at a day nursery in Lordship Lane until she was five years old when she transferred to Risley Avenue School and she was able to walk to school every day. The teacher, Miss Lynch, was very impressed by the clothes Mavis had knitted for her dolly. She had been taught to knit by her mum at four years old. Mavis, apparently, enjoyed the school dinners there and the dinner lady told Mavis's mum that she'd never seen a child eat as much as Mavis. She would often be found sitting in the street on a green P&O box waiting for friends to come out and play. Her favourite toy was her teddy bear and she used to play hopscotch, four sticks, tin can, Tommy and made gravel grottos and the best presents she was ever given was a china doll named April and a doll's pram. Her favourite food as a child was mincemeat stew, plain and syrup pudding and pancakes. Occasionally, Mavis was given pocket money of 20 and sometimes 60, 60 p. She had to help around the house, such as cleaning the step, sweeping the path and taking her mum for a walk or visits to her mum's friends. In 1949, when Mavis was six years old, she recalled that she went on holiday with her mum, dad, Iris and a friend. She wrote, the curtains blew into dad's dinner and he was busy trying to cut them up due to his partial blindness, which made them all laugh. They all had a great sense of humour. Mavis would regularly play cards and dominoes with her parents and this continued throughout Mavis's life where she taught her own children and grandchildren to play. Her eldest granddaughter, Emily, was always keen to have a game. This wasn't the only memorable day holiday for Mavis, and she wrote about a trip in 1953 to a Methodist holiday home in Westcliff-on-Sea, where they had to take turns cleaning the toilets, floors, etc., as it meant that they could stay there at no cost. In 1954, she attended Downland Centre School, where she excelled at sport and was a member of the netball and rounders team. During her teen years, she first liked to listen to rock and roll, later jazz, classical and then popular music of that time, and her favourite actor was Anthony Steele. Her clothes were mainly hand-downs, 
and having been given a sewing machine and lessons aged 10, when she was old enough to afford to buy material, Mavis made her own dresses. In keeping with the times, Mavis left school aged 15 and started working Plevna Crescent Day Nursery, training as a nursery nurse, when she was paid £2.10 shillings per week. This was a very tiring mile with nine-hour days. This was also the year that Mavis went on holiday with her sister Iris and her husband Daryl and her friend Marie to Hailing Island holiday camp, where she had a whale of a time. She and Marie remained lifelong friends. The pair would often go out together. Mavis was a very good seamstress, and they would be then they would buy fa fabric on Saturday morning, and Mavis would make them a couple of dresses so that they could wear them on the Saturday night out. Just a couple of years later, Mavis passed her NEB qualifications, which took her further down the qualified route, and which meant she had to leave the day nursery and get a job in a nursery school. For nights out, she would go to the Cinema Royal, da Cinema Royal Dance Hall in Tottenham, Majestic in Finsbury Park and Woodgreen Jazz Club, in November 1961, when she was 18 years old, she met Arthur, who she called Art. She says he, he picked me and Marie up outside the Royal. He, he was seven years older than Mavis, and on their first day, Arthur turned up with his nephew, Greg. Mavis wasn't sure what was going on. However, he must have explained, and this was actually just evidence, that Arthur was very fond of kids, which endeared him to Mavis, and the pair went out for two years. In September 1963, when Mavis was 20, they were offered a flat and so made the decision to get married. The flat was in Tottenham and was a room above an old lady, Mrs Nunn. Mavis was very good at connecting with people and she started caring for Mrs Nunn in a, re in a relationship which went on for many years. Their first-born son, Clive, was born in 1965. Neil came after in May 1967, and a month after that, the family relocated to Leegrave, Luton. She said she hated it at first, and she went back to Tottenham every weekend for three months before she settled. Emma was born in 1969 in Luton, and Pete completed the family in 1972. Things in Leegrave began to look up, and when the children started school, Mavis began to make... Lots more friends, too many to mention. Mavis and the children continued to visit Mrs Nunn for years, but she also made further relationships with her neighbours in Luton. Mr and Mrs Snowball and Mavis used to care for them too. In fact, when Mr Snowball died, Mavis had a bell fitted in her house for Mrs Snowball to ring if she needed help. She also cared for Mrs Webb down the road and then Percy, who was next door, but one. In addition to this, she regularly gave lifts to a lady with MS, MS who had regular hospital appointments. When the kids were small, they would holiday in Selsey Bill to be found in the Bognor Regis direction. Arthur and a, few, and a few brothers shared a chalet there, and the family enjoyed a week there every year with the occasional break in guest houses in places such as Swanage and Devon thrown in. Clive said his fondest memories were when they all went on these family holidays, especially to Selfie, Selsey, he said. As we get to near to the beach, we'd sing, 
I can see the sea, I can see the sea, over and over. Selsey was a safe place where we could all play together and get freezing cold in the outdoor swimming pool. In 1970, Mavis joined the Cooperative Women's Guild and she would attend meetings every Tuesday. Mavis was a regular and dedicated member and would participate in conferences and put in petitions, proposals to governments, the last one being about bees and pesticides. In this organisation, she held the roles of treasurer, president and regional rep and regional treasurer. Mavis has fond memories of going on ban the bomb marches with her friends, Maria and Alex, and when her children went and when her children were young, Mavis engaged with politics, a Labour supporter, and live rec- Clive recalls how when he was about 10 years old, he had to cycle round to the school being used as a spot polling station and collect the polling card number for her to feed back to the party. Aside from this interest, Mavis was a full-time mum when the kids were young. She learned to drive during the 1970s and after, and after Arthur died, she became confident to drive anywhere in the country. Six weeks before she died, she was caught speeding and agreed to take the driver training course rather than accept the penalty points. One of Mavis's pet hates was how Arthur would come home with bitumen, bitumen on him. He was a roof felter. Because his, of his clothes, because of this, the clothes went into the wash with a little bit of bitumen. Then all the clothes would end up with bits on green school uniforms with specks of black on. In 1980, the family moved to Harpenden, where Mavis remained. The house was basic and there were no wardrobes or anything. The family made do with anything where people people were getting rid of. The carpets were threadbare, but they made the best of things. They built an extension, but did most of the manual work themselves. Mavis described how Pete wrote in his newsletter at school that he was frightened that the ceiling might fall down as there were big cracks in them. 1982 was the year of the uh, Crickle, Crickle left holiday. They put a roof rack on top of the beetle and loaded it up and then found they couldn't open the doors. A rethink was needed so they packed everything in the car. Mavis was in the front with her knees up to her chin as the floor, floor well was full of clothing. She says it was the most uncomfortable journey ever. Mavis was delighted to meet up with girls she hadn't seen for 30 years when she initiated her school reunion in 1988. She says her face ached from laughing when she got home. Some of the girls stayed in close touch ever since and Mavis felt it was well worth the effort and phone calls to find them all again. A year after this, Mavis became a childminder for Oliver. Arthur always said he lit up his life, especially when he was with them. Mavis was very proud of the fact that Oliver is now acting at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre and she puts this in her notes to ensure it got a mention, another mention here. Mavis in 1990, sadly in 1990, Arthur became ill. Despite having radiotherapy, Arthur continued to work and still looked as fit as a fiddle, but just a year later it travelled to his spine and he was unable to walk. He was, however, determined to wear his top hat and tails for Clive and Sue's wedding in July of 1991 with his family by his side. Arthur died. They had been happily married for 28 years 
and now Mavis was a widow at the age of 48. In December of the same year, her father died. It must have been a desperately sad time for Mavis, but she managed to put, pick herself up, and she writes that in 1992, after one of my visits to the NHF to have part of me removed, she decided she needed to go back to work. She recalled being interviewed by Shirley and Sally, and states that she was lucky enough to get a job at Riverbank's nursery school. She states that having Shirley for a boss was the best thing that could have happened. Working with the children was never a chore. I loved it. And also later taking care of Shirley and Andrew's daughter Paige. Mavis remained connected to Riverbank's initially as a nurture teacher, a nursery teacher, and post retirement doing whatever was needed. She turned up and try and organise them, sort out their cleaning, cleaning and do whatever was wanted. She kept this up until the nursery changed hands a couple of years later. Mavis recalled that there was plenty of laughs when they went on Christmas outings, especially when Mary climbed on the West End stage and started dancing. She also said that working with younger women was great as it kept her in touch with what was going on. I'm told that Mavis was a very was a very practical woman, which I suppose has been born out of necessity with her parents' disabilities and becoming such a young widow. She was very good at decorating. Clive described her house as being like the fourth bridge, the fourth bridge, always being decorated. Once she finished one room she'd move on to the next and the next and again until back to the first again. She could also do her wiring under the floorboards. Ever well organised, everything in Mavis's house had its place, and if in a pot and if in a pot or a jar, it had a label on it. She continued using the sewing machine and making curtains as well as making Emma's wedding dress. She was able to chair cane following her dad with this skill. She was always keen to do jobs for Emma and Neil and is pleased that and Neil is pleased that he inherited uh, her practical ability after being trained by his mum. Emma says that she resisted, she resist, resisted being told cooking was more of a necessity for Mabus than a love, and she was always keen to take a shortcut to feeding the family. She loved gardening, however, flowers and vegetables. She had an allotment for some time and would happily cook what she'd grown. Later on, Emma and her mum would spend time visiting gardens with the last visit being as recent as October when they went to see Rosemore in Devon. The love of the garden also led to a love of wildlife and she was happy to watch the birds. Her main passions remained children and in 1996, Mavis was delighted to become a nana to Emily. She wrote in her notes, What joy, which was increased with the births of Aaron, Jessica, Georgia and Elise. She wrote, how lucky was I? And this very was very obviously, was not a question. Elise paid tribute saying, Nana used to always come up with little songs to sing to us and always made sure that when we were around her house that we would have a fun time. She would always stroke my head when I was going to sleep and cuddle me lots of times. The best Nana ever. In 2004, Mavis swapped houses with Neil and so met more lovely people. Mavis's mum died just six weeks short of her 100th birthday in 2005. She wrote, <clears throat> What an inspiration to us all. 
and mentioned that she was still knitting. Mavis wrote a book about her mum, Nan, titled Are We All A Little Blind? Mavis was diagnosed in 2011 with stomach cancer and she had to have two-thirds of her stomach removed. During this pain, during this process, she lost three stones in weight and managed to get back to normal when she was interviewed by a Macmillan nurse as they offered her money to repay some of her wardrobe. Mavis, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, said, Great, as my neck has now come under my armpits. The nurse wrote this down and later Mavis was asked if she minded having her interview published, though he added that he thought she might want to be want that admitted. admitted. In December 2012, Mavis's sister, Iris, died from pancreatic cancer, aged 80. And in the following year, Mavis found out that her own cancer had become terminal and died the same day, two years after Iris. She was determined to go on as normal, but sadly, it got the better of her. And as she says, that's why why you're here now. Her final words in this account were, sorry, the last bit's doom and gloom, but cheer up and count your blessings. Always look on the bright side of life. We have been remembering the life of Mavis Collins, partly in her words. I would like to conclude this part of the ceremony by quoting some words I saw written by Peggy, Arthur's only sister and a good friend, uh, to Mavis for over 50 years. She wrote in a card how proud of her children and her wonderful grandchildren Mavis was. She also said how much Mavis was loved and admired and pointed out she was an inspiration who would never be forgotten.